0: This coaching session is brought to you by Mojo Premium. If you're looking to level up your career, inspire employees, and always be at your best, there is no better resource than the app you get with Mojo Premium. You'll get full access to the world's top coaching community, which includes all 11 steps of the Mojo Mentality Challenge program, weekly coaching calls, and a planning framework used by top executives in over 90 countries around the world. Join the community that will change your life free for your first 14 days at joinmojo.com app. That's joinmojo.com APP. Hey there, it's Sean. Welcome to step three of the Mojo Mentality Challenge. You're about to listen to a coaching session between myself and Joe Gianni about becoming the person capable and worthy of greatness, the law of cause and effect, and the third entity of the mind. To complete this step of the challenge, listen to this coaching session and reflect on the statement what are you really good at? How did you internalize that plan? I recommend listening to this session several times to let the concepts really sink in. Then take copious notes and write down your realizations in your Mojo Mentality notebook. Let's get started.
1: Hey, Sean, how are you today?
0: What's up, big man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing?
1: I'm doing fabulous, thanks. i got to share with you, I couldn't wait for us to get back together today.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too.
1: We covered a lot of ground in our last conversation. We spoke a great deal about the key underpinnings that you and I find in people that have their mojo on and keep it on all day long and all lifelong. And we began to really break down some of those pieces uh, some of the mind structure some of the things that they believe that's juxtaposed to what m- many people in society believe as it pertains to a couple of key things do you remember what any of those key things were i mean i know you do but you know talk to me about what some of those are
0: the first one and we talked about in our our first conversation is the power to create people that are incredibly successful in whatever field They believe that whatever they think in their mind, whatever idea they come up with, whatever goal they set is possible and that they are capable of making that happen. And that's very different than a lot of other people. There's some stat out there that the average person will have like $7 million ideas, at least $7 million ideas in their lifetime. But yet everybody doesn't put those ideas into action. I think that's a big part of it. They have these ideas, but they don't actually believe that they're the person that's capable of doing something with them and worthy of getting that million dollars at the at the end
1: and and there's a good reason for that because most of the time when we first have these thought impulses we're not we're yeah. not worthy of it yet we you know in order for us to make big things happen in our life we have to become big people that's really how it works but I love where you went in that it all starts with creation and that's something that most people in society, have not been really taught. We're not taught in formal education that you and I have that power to create. We really have the power to envision what it is that we want out of this magical gift called life, and we have the power to envision what we want and also make that happen the high school graduation, go now, pursue your dreams, you know, live your life and fulfill your goals. And I said to you a couple of conversations ago that I lean back and think about all these graduations I've been to and say, well, this is great. It's so inspirational, but where'd they really teach us that? I'm not knocking it. It's the best in the world, but it still is very, very, very much void of the caliber of, of education that's necessary to help people really live a fulfilling and abundant life. And it starts by first recognizing that we do have the ability to create. Dogs can't create. Orangutans can't create. Elephants can't create. But you and I as human beings, we have the power to create. And the proof of that is just looking around at all the things you and I see from cars to planes to to computers to iPhones, I mean, it's endless. These are all things that happen through the creative faculties of the human mind. The human mind, unlike other species' minds, has the power to create. And that was one of the most important fundamental building blocks that we've talked about so far. I I also shared with you that the happiest people I've ever met in my life have always been men and women who constantly put themselves into that state. They understand it's part of the rule book. They understand that it's part of them igniting their life and living with Mojo. They might not explain it to you and I that way, but the reality is is that that's what they do every day. They do it intuitively. They're constantly, constantly recreating their future, setting new dreams and breaking them down into new goals and accomplishing them. And then when they do, they set new ones. The most unhappy people I've ever met in my life are men and women who do not understand that. When I informally talk or interview people that are really not in a good place, one of the quickest things that I see is that there is no creation. They do not see where tomorrow can bring them. They do not think about what tomorrow has in store for them. They are only caught in the world that they're in right now, and... It's just an observation I've made for a long time. So that's why that's such an important part of our journey and an important part of coaching and mentoring people that I spend a lot of energy, a lot of time really helping to anchor that because a lot of people could say to me, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But yet they really don't get it. Our creative faculties, if not used, are like a muscle. They dwindle. They go away. So part of me coaching and mentoring people is every time that little voice inside you're in my head says, you know, I wish I had or I really would like to or what a great idea. I want to help all of us to write those things down because those are those thought impulses of what the future can become.
0: One of the many big things that I've learned from you over the years is the difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something viscerally, like knowing something really, really deep uh, and really believing it and embodying it. Because it's easy to to know something intellectually. I understand the logic behind it, but it's a different thing to really know it viscerally where it's kind of embedded into... Your DNA, it's embedded into who you are and yeah. how you move.
1: Yeah, you know, that's why I, I talk about people, and specifically, I, I, I like to speak about Thomas Edison, and only because he's an inventor. So, what greater example can you and I think that all of us know in common than to talk about the greatest inventor that's ever lived? What Edison understood is that. He had the power to create. He had the ability to visualize the outcome of what it is that he wanted and then stay with that long enough and hard enough till that which he created in his inner world became reality in his outer world. And that's what he understood. He didn't passively understand it. He deep in every corpuscle understood that he had the power to create. So when you and I see someone like him and we use adjectives to describe him, my gosh, he was determined, he was goal-directed, he was focused, You know, he was a self-starter. Those traits are easy to have if we first have that core belief that says, I'm the creator. I can do, have, and achieve what it is that I really want. And that all starts by exercising that muscle. That's why I make such a big deal out of that. What else uh, in reflection were some of the golden nuggets of what we've been discussing so far?
0: Well, I think you know, after that, we chatted about the idea of before we can have, we must become. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking about that. And I think for a lot of people will write off their ability or their worthiness to achieve these things that they think of or have these things that they think of because they don't believe they're capable and worthy of doing it. And we talked about the reality of, at the time, they're not. And I think that's where they're, they're not wrong that to, to think that at that point in time. But the big gap is in them thinking that because they're not now means they're not ever.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. We're on a journey together, as I shared from the very beginning, to really study and to break down the core mind structure that is found in all people that live with Mojo. They have a real fire about life and what they're doing with life. And Mojo, as as you and I know, stands for the acronym mindset optimization equals journey optimization. But it really is an optimization. And the first part is the creation part. But the second part is to understand that just because you and I have these great ideas, that's not the key to being successful. It's the beginning. It's the start because we have to choose what it is that we want out of life. But the second piece is Every bit is important. And that second piece is that before we can have these things, we have to become the person that's capable of attracting that, making that happen in our life. And so, this whole concept of becoming is why if a person doesn't understand if it's not part of their lexicon their thinking then their mind will automatically go to what's oh, a great idea but it's not for me it's for other people not for me and of course society and stimulus around us will constantly be talking and giving us information as to you know it's not mary can do that billy can do that but you can't and so we get caught up in this thinking that that's not how it works but you and I are here together to, to study this and to really understand that is how it works. Big things, big sales don't happen from the handiwork of under evolved, under capable sales talent. Great customer service that exceeds consistently expectations doesn't happen from the handiwork of an unevolved customer service rep. It just doesn't work like that. Championship teams in manufacturing don't happen without powerful, high-caliber leadership and management any more than sports teams don't go to the finals and to the big games without leaders and managers that are really lethal at being a leader and a manager, a coach and a mentor. It really does work like that. So this whole concept of becoming, we also talked about something else that was critical. What is it that is another part of that mind structure that a person has to understand before they can even really begin to make that journey, before I can have, I have to become?
0: They have unlimited potential.
1: Right. In order for them to start becoming, they have to believe they're capable of it. And one of the things when I see people locked up, one of the things that I see when people have no mojo is they do not have a deep belief that they have what kind of potential? Unlimited. Unlimited. In fact, they've been programmed, they've been conditioned in their life journey to believe that they have partial potential. They fall into that trap of, well, I'm good at this and not at that. You know, I learned this, but I can't learn the other thing. It makes no sense. But yet you and I see, and we've all been guilty of doing it ourselves, but it doesn't work like that. It works the complete opposite. Anything you and I want to become lethal at, we have the power to do. And I use a simple example. When I would run training classes, I'd say, look, you know, you and I could take a, a, a waste paper basket, we could put it in the corner of the room. You and I could crumble up paper, we could have thousands and thousands of piece of paper them up and throw it into the corner and throw throw it at the basket. You and I might make 5 out of, out of 10, some people 6 out of 10, some people 3 out of 10. You know, you, I know you're a shooter, maybe 8 out of 10. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter where we start. If you and I do that 100 times, 200 times, 500 times, 2,000 times, 5,000 times, over time, we're going to be able to literally turn the chair around, throw it over our head and get it in nine, 10 times out of 10, you know what I mean? We become lethal at it because we practice it over and over and over again, and we adjust and we practice over and over again, and we adjust and we practice over and over again to the point where we make it look ridiculously easy. And that does not happen if a person doesn't believe that they have unlimited potential what say you?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great example. And it reminds me of another part of our last conversation, which was with that exercise where we're crumpling up paper and throwing them into the, into the wastebasket, there's a very clear goal. I want to get this piece of paper into the wastebasket and you'll just start throwing paper and you'll adjust kind of without even really thinking about it oh, that one was too hard, this one was too soft, this one was to the left, that one was to the right. And without really even consciously thinking about it, you're just kind of adjusting to that to get it into the basket. And I think what happens so often, and I talked about this last time, but I know for myself is just like the overthinking. And you know, I even came across a stat after our, our last chat that the conscious mind can process something like, 40 bits of information a second, but we're exposed to 32,000, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, especially it's, today. Especially today. You know, you, your phone's always buzzing, you're getting emails, the phones ring in, all those kinds of things where your conscious mind doesn't have the capacity to process all of that. But The subconscious mind can process 11 million bits of information a second. So it's far and away like what's thrown at us, the subconscious mind can process. It's a blip of what the subconscious mind can process.
1: That's right.
0: But I think the great thing about that example is there's a very clear goal. I want to get this piece of paper in the wastebasket. And then you're kind of just getting out of your own way Mm -hmm. to, to actually make it happen and getting the reps in.
1: Yeah, you know, we had talked uh, quite a bit about once we understand and we begin to really, truly anchor or re anchor that we really have unlimited potential, a big part of our conversation became recognizing that is not enough either. We have to learn how to get the potential out. And our conversation led us to, how do we tap into that potential? And if you remember, I said, you know, I don't want to get all deep science and psychology on us, but I had us go back and look at, you know, in school, we studied the brain. That was great, but not really truly the secret. The the real secret, the real power was in studying the mind. And we have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And we used the analogy of watching the magic of tapping into human potential in its most formidable early stages of life, like the toddler learning to walk, the toddler gets a vision of wanting to walk. They see everybody else walking. They have the complete belief instantly that they're going to walk, and they start pulling themselves up on everything. And they take a step. They lean too far to the right, and they kill over. Right? They pull themselves up. They lean too far to the left. What happens? They kill over. You got it. Too far forward. They fall forward, back forth. Ultimately, the toddler does not have the mental sophistication that we all fall into later on in life that starts saying, well, you know, gee, i got to adapt. The subconscious mind is a goal-seeking mechanism. It automatically takes the feedback from the environment and starts organizing it into a plan. And it will not stop till whatever you and I lock in consciousness, in this case the infant learning to walk, until it achieves that goal. Once it achieves that goal, meaning it locks it in, We never have to relearn how to walk again, and that's the beauty of human potential. In other words, we were not born walking. We were born with the potential to walk, but that's how we got it out. You and I gave analogies about learning to ride a two-wheel bicycle. Same thing, learning to drive a car, but it does not end there it ends whenever we decided to end. In other words, there really is no ending. We have the power to use and tap into our potential and become whatever we need to become, master whatever skill we need to master in order to perform in every aspect of life at the highest level. And if you and I perform at the highest level, you and I can expect and will get the highest level of results. And the reason is because something else we talked about that when it comes to results in life, they're really a function of cause and what? Effect. They're cause and effect. You know, for every action there's an equal and equivalent what? Reaction. That's right. <clears throat> so when you and I stop and we think about this, if we execute a plan really, really, really well at like the highest level, we will automatically begin to get the right results. If we execute a plan and we don't do it really well, we'll get mishmash results, right? We'll get mixed feedback. So when you and I stop and you think about cause and effect, that's what gives us the insight. That's what gives men and women with mojo the ability to be able to quickly break things down. In other words, if I want to get really good at my personal finances, I now can read with a trained eye, two or three articles on personal finance. I can read a couple of books on personal finance. And what ultimately I'm going to find, because I've done it, is that by the time I get to the second or third article, by the time I get to a second or third book, I begin to realize they all say what? Same thing. They all say the same thing. And the reason is, is because success in anything in life is cause and what? Effect. Cause and effect. If I want to be better at my physical fitness, I can read a couple of articles, I can read four or five books, and by the time I get to the third or fourth book, I realize they all say what? Same thing. So if you and I stop and we think now as adults, think about how valuable this is, this understanding that when you and I see somebody that's getting a result, say, in our career, we can join an organization and look for who's the best and then we can begin to study what it is that they're doing and break it down, the techniques, the strategies they use. Corporate world calls it best practices. The reason there's a best practice is because there are highly organized ways to do things. and When people execute them in these highly organized planned ways, they are able to peak perform. The bottom line is this, that each and every one of us, when it comes to the results that we're getting in life, is not based on randomness, happenstance, or circumstance. It's based upon the quality and the caliber of the plans that we have up here in our mind's eye. Everybody is operating. We have a plan to walk. We have a plan to drive a car. We have a plan to ride a bike. We have a plan to write. We have a plan to read. We have a plan on how we handle our physical fitness. We have a plan on how we handle our personal finances. Every single one of us is operating based upon the plans that we have up in our mind's eye. So if you and I have a new area in life that we want to pursue, or we just want to get better, stronger, or maybe become the best in an area of life, why can't we just go and get a plan of someone who's operating at a much more successful level? And why can't we just pick up the plan and go do it. Why can't we just hand somebody a plan and they would in a matter of days be able to duplicate that success? Is it enough to just have the plan?
0: No. Yeah. No. It would be nice if it was. <laughs> <Right? Well. laughs> it would make life so much easier, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're exactly right. It's it's not enough to just have the plan what's critically important is that we internalize the plan. And that's where the next breakdown comes in. That's where the next area of your and my discussion and study has to take place. We have to understand that it's not enough to just have the plan. We have to internalize the plan. And there are reasons why people are quick to adapt and adopt and internalize plans and why sometimes people are not. And it all comes down to, to their self-esteem, their self-concept, and you know, I don't want to get all psychology on us, but I need to take us there for a few minutes because what I'm going to share with you and I is really powerful and really important to understand, and that is this: think about when is self-esteem formed in people?
0: Really young. I don't know exactly, but yeah, it
1: seems very to be young. really young. Yeah, it's usually by the age of two, three years old. Psychologists will say that much of a, an individual's self-concept is formed by the time they're two, three years old, Wow, which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah. The the next question is, is how is it formed? How do you think people's self-concept, self-esteem is formed? This is so powerful and so important, what I want to talk about here.
0: Well, I would think it would be their surroundings or their their environment, their parents or the people that are raising them.
1: Yeah. I, I put it very simply and succinctly this way. The way that an individual's self-esteem and self-concept is formed is the way they're spoken to. The way that their parents speak to them, the way that their older siblings speak to them, the way grandparents speak to them, the way we're spoken to is the way that we begin to learn how to speak to who? Ourselves. You got it. And that is the beginnings of our self-esteem, our self-concept. You know, one of the ways that I help to see the significance of this is I would use an example of little Billy, a little Mary sitting in a high chair and they're having dinner and they're maybe a year and a half old and they're excited and their hands are waving around and the parent puts the plate of food in front of them and a glass of milk and all of a sudden the, the child throws its hand and accidentally slams the milk across the table, falls off the high chair, goes across the whole table, makes a huge mess. In one example, the parent says, you know, Billy, you know, you're so clumsy. How many times do I got to tell you? Why do you have to make a mess every time? we're having dinner. Why can't you calm down? In that example, the parent unbeknownst, and by the way, this is not easy being a parent, right? But the parent unbeknownst, what they're doing is they're linking that that feedback right to Billy's self-concept. It's telling Billy what he is. It's showing that the feedback is representative of who he is. In the opposite example, The parent says, oh, Billy, accidents happen. Let's clean this mess up. Man, we made a big mess. (laughs) And let's fill the cup of, of milk and push it back a little bit further so you don't accidentally knock it over again. In that example, the parent's taking the negative feedback from the situation and readjusting the behavior, readjusting the movement. And so Billy is beginning to see that the feedback is not indicative of who he is or who he's becoming, but it's virtually just information, information that he can use to keep adjusting, information that feedback is not good or bad, it's simply positive or negative based upon the outcome that we're after. Now, I know that that's a little bit heavy for a second, but it's so rich and so powerful what I'm explaining there because if a child is carefully spoken to through their early development think about what we learned about the mind it's the conscious mind chooses what it is that we want to accomplish but the subconscious mind is a much more powerful part of the mind it is a goal seeking mechanism and it learns and adjusts based upon what feedback feedback But if that feedback is not coming unfiltered, if it's not coming pure to just simply say it's positive and negative and I'm going to adjust, positive and negative and I'm going to adjust, it short circuits. So powerful is people's self-concept, self-esteem, that I always likened it to the third entity of the mind. It is literally the filter that's between the conscious and the subconscious mind that all of us begin to evolve and develop by the age of three, four, five years old. And the thing that's really wild and crazy is that if that esteem is not carefully built, it actually short circuits people all the time as they're setting goals because they begin to see feedback and connect it to who? Themselves. Themselves, rather than just information that's not good, it's not bad, it just what is It just is. All that matters is what we do with it. And so... Throughout history, for many, many decades, probably about 70 years now, they've done all kinds of studies on the influence and the impact that people's self-esteem has on the level of success that they'll reach in their life. There's self-esteem studies in terms of relationships, how strong someone's self-esteem is and how good they'll have relationships in their life. There's studies on self-esteem in terms of how financially successful they'll be in life. There's all kinds of self-esteem studies in terms of education, in terms of how well they'll do in school. There's studies in terms of slow self-esteem in their movement towards alcohol abuse abuse, and drugs. There's all these different studies that are out there, and they're accurate in terms of being a predictor. But who wants the predictor? We want to develop ourselves. We want to reach our full potential. And in order for that to happen, we need to understand what really is going on. What causes that short circuit? What causes us to lock ourselves up? And that's what causes that to happen, and it, once it's built that way, it happens all throughout life. Talk to me as I'm saying that because was a little heavy, and I know right about now you're thinking I'm completely crazy, and I am. But but what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, you know, I think the one thing that I really like about the way that you have explained that is that successful people really seem to detach themselves from feedback, where. I think the way a lot of people yeah, And not
1: themselves. in a, not in an unhealthy way. Right. but in a healthy way. Keep going. Right, really.
0: where they don't attach it to themselves and who they are. And I think that a lot of people will either think you have low esteem where every all the feedback that you get is just telling you how how bad you are at this or that you're not capable or you're not worthy of of doing this. But people also don't want to be the other extreme of that which is they are knowing the feedback because they think I'm so great and I'm so good at this without really even... Even seeing that this isn't working, right, and, and that's one of, of the
1: problems they have with youth right now, right? Everybody gets a trophy, right? All that yeah. stuff, that that big debate, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weigh in on that debate per se. I'm just gonna say that the whole thing is misguided because what we're really there to to teach in terms of working with youth is that in life you have to choose to become great. You have to choose to get great at a sport. You have to choose if we're going to become a championship team because every championship team that And I played on some when I was a young kid growing up. They were championship teams because that leader set the gauntlet, put a stake in the ground. And it wasn't talking about, hey, we're going to show up and play some baseball. It was, we're going to win the the World Series. So there is a huge, huge difference that takes place when uh, somebody understands what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think that, that kind of detachment from the feedback by just looking at it as information is a huge difference. It was a huge difference maker to to me because you you don't want to look at everything as, I'm so bad at this, but you also don't want the other extreme of being this cocky, arrogant person that's not really even looking at what's going on and feeling entitled and, and all the things that, that come along with that. The detachment kind of breeds the best of both worlds, where this is just information. And that's, right. that's a huge difference in the way that most people think about feedback.
1: That's exactly right. If somebody has you know weaker or even broken esteem, that causes what I call a failure system. My question to you is why?
0: Because they don't believe they're capable and worthy of doing that. And the feedback that they get just reinforces that to them.
1: Perfect. That's exactly right. And if somebody has a success system, they have strong, healthy self-esteem, I call it they have a success system. Why do they have a success system? Why do I label it that way?
0: Because they can take the feedback and organize it into a plan that they can internalize, and it doesn't get short-circuited before it's internalized, so they're actually doing
1: it. Right. They're able to keep getting that feedback, just like the toddler learning to walk, just like learning to ride a two-wheel bicycle, and keep coming back to that negative feedback and keep adjusting. Keep coming back to that negative feedback and keep adjusting. And that is the secret. When you want to help somebody kick their results out to a bigger level, you have to really kick out their self-esteem to a bigger level. They have to begin to see themselves bigger. They have to begin to believe themselves bigger. They have to begin to speak to themselves differently in order to do that. And once they begin to do that, they begin to get unlocked and they begin to set themselves free. When I was a young boy growing up, I grew up next door to Norman Julius Esiason. he became known as Boomer Osiasen, right? And so, anybody that's into uh, sports and particularly football, you know who I'm speaking about. But you know, Boomer and I are, were not just neighborhood friends; we were, grew up and we're best friends. In other words, you know, I stood up in his wedding; he stood up in my wedding. I could go on and on with regard to our journey together. But the most powerful part of the journey for our discussion today was when we were young and we were kids. And I'll never forget it because by the time he was 10, 11, 12 years old, I mean, he had chosen, we would be sitting around the dinner table at his house and he would talk about becoming an NFL quarterback. And his dad, Mr. E, wonderful man who I was very close to, really wanted Boomer to grow up, and most people don't know this, and become a, a pitcher, wanted him to be a baseball player. You know? And Boomer was uh, a left-hander, You know, <laughs> yeah. and there are not a lot of left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL. And But his dad wanted him to be a baseball player. But his dad was smart enough to know that he didn't choose what his son was going to become. His dad was one of the smartest men I knew when it came to success and success principles. He let his son choose. And by the time we were 13, 14 years old, not only was that all he and I talked about, but it's all that all of our friends, all of our closest friends talked about was that he was gonna grow up and become an NFL superstar. But it wasn't just in talk. I mean, he worked at it. He was coached to that. He was trained to that. But even that wasn't the biggest demarcation in my memory of our journey. It actually happened when we were about 19 years old we were home from college and we met at a local bar and we were having a couple of beers and we're sipping the beer. And, you know, just like 18, 19 year old guys, we're talking about what's it like at college and, you know, the new people we're meeting, et cetera, et cetera. And, And next thing you know, one of the kids from high school came over and goes, hey, guys, how's it going? And, you know, we said, oh, yeah, I'm going good. And the kid looks at Boomer and he says, hey, Boomer, he goes, you don't still have that crazy dream about becoming an NFL quarterback, do you? And Boomer kind of looks at him and he smiles and goes, well, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I do. And he says, actually, I got a full scholarship to Maryland. I'm a Terp now. And, you know, being kind and nice. And kid goes, yeah, he goes, but, you know, Boomer, you know, a lot of people have a dream about becoming an NFL quarterback, but very few people ever make it. It's like one out of every million. And Boomer just goes, "Yeah." yeah, right, and kind of, like, rolls his eyes and doesn't say nothing. And he goes, ah, you know what I'm trying to say is that you're good, but playing at the Division one and then the NFL, that's a whole different thing. And Boomer just kind of looks at him and says, hey, listen, you know, why don't you just take your beer and leave? He goes, ah, you know, boom, all I'm trying to say is that you're left-handed. Most of the quarterbacks are right-handed. And besides, you know, you're not as fast out of the pocket and Boomer just all of a sudden stands up and he goes, listen, because you're not listening to me. He goes, I said, take your beer and leave now. And the kid kind of, like, tucked his tail he grabbed his beer off the corner of our table and he kind of walked away because when boomer stood up he's a giant you know he's six foot five you know these guys don't look that big on tv let me tell you they're monsters okay and he sat back down and just totally ignored and just kept talking you know what i mean it was like irrelevant to him just started going back talking about school and people he's meeting and i go whoa yo whoa bro and goes what and i go i don't know man that was uh that was a little bit rough wasn't it and he goes what do you mean joey And I said, well, I think you're a little rude to that guy. He goes, no, I wasn't. Let me ask you a question. I go, sure. What? He goes, in all the years I've known you, have you ever told me anything negative about my dream and my goal to become an NFL quarterback? And I said, well, no, never. Of course not. He goes, well, how about our friends Jojo and Eddie? Have you ever heard them say that to me? I go, no, of course not. He goes, How about the football coach? You ever hear him say that to me? I go, no. He goes, how about my sisters? Did you ever hear my sisters ever say those words to me, sitting around the dinner tables? I go, no. He goes, how about my father? Did you ever hear my father say that to me? I go, no. He goes, who the hell is he? Who the hell is this guy to tell me what I can and can't be, what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do? He goes, I wasn't rude at all. I was appropriate. And then we just went on. I'd love to tell you at that moment, I really understood this whole concept of steam and a mojo mindset. But- the fact of the matter is, is that I didn't. But looking back, I was able to clearly see that at that point in time, he had already had a highly evolved internal mind structure that was way beyond where my, head, my thinking was at that stage of life. He literally understood that he was going to choose what he was going to do. Now, it wasn't easy, there's setbacks, there's challenges, but ultimately nobody was going to tell him what it is that he could do. What do you think as I'm saying that?
0: I I love that story. And, you know, this is an isolated incident of this one guy at the bar, but that's not the only time he's ever going to hear that. And he heard that, I'm sure, countless times over and over and over again, not just from people running into the bar, but people in the football world, people in the media, all those kinds of things. And it'd be so easy, even just in that one isolated incident of this one guy in the bar, for that to allow kind of like a a seed of doubt to kind of slip into your mind. Like, you know, you you try to fight it, but you're kind of like, "Eh, maybe maybe he's right. Maybe I'm kidding myself. And what he did was just completely reject that to say, this isn't up to you.
1: Yeah, Who the hell are you? Exactly.
0: And that's very evolved and very different than the way most people would react to that.
1: And that's what I mean about, you know, really understanding this whole concept of feedback and being able to filter that and see it and use it for what it really is. Not only does nobody else choose what our goals are in life, what we're going to do in life, but no one else has the ability or the right to tell you and I what we're good at and what we're not good at because all of us have what kind of potential? Unlimited. Unlimited potential. And so it's a matter of tapping into that. It, it comes down to looking at self-esteem and you know, one of the questions that people will say to me all the time, you know, Joe, I know somebody that's really successful at business, but they're horrific in their personal relationships. Or I know people that are tremendous in their personal relationships, but they're broke. And what I want you and I to see is, is it possible for someone to have a uh, really strong esteem and have the right thinking in certain areas of life and not in other areas of life? Yeah. Yeah. And the, see answer, it all the, time. Yeah, and the answer is definitely yes. See, when a person has strong esteem, it becomes the operating software that all things get filtered through. But we actually can have different esteem, different filtering in different aspects of life. So if an individual's esteem is evolved in a healthy way, They have what I call a success system. They're able to set visions and break those visions or dreams down into goals. They're able to organize plans very quickly. They're able to study other people and see what they're doing and assimilate it very quickly. They're able to start executing. They're able, as they start to execute, to get feedback. When you and I first start doing something for the very first time, do we get more positive feedback or negative feedback? Negative. Negative. We get a whole bunch more negative feedback. They're able to take that negative feedback, and their subconscious mind is free to adjust, because the filter is free and it just filters right through and it accepts and it keeps adjusting. If somebody has a weaker or a poor self-esteem, a weak filtering system, what happens as they begin to try to internalize the plan? They short-circuits. Right. They short-circuit. They start getting feedback. And the minute that feedback, which most of the time early on is negative, the minute that negative feedback comes upon them, they immediately begin to shut down. They will immediately begin to stop taking action. And that's why you and I see people that are really good at some things and they really poor at other things. They're really lethal at some aspects, some skill sets, and yet they're really poor at other ones. And ultimately, they never walk the high road. They never walk and live the high life. They never really achieve greatness because they have partial abilities not full abilities. They have partial internalization of the plan, not total command and internalization of the plan. And as a result of that, their results become limited. And that's why, through my decades of coaching people, I'm able to look at people from a mojo perspective and see what their thinking is, see do they understand the ability to create. They don't say it to me that way, but you can see in the stories they'll tell me and the examples they'll use about their life. They'll be able to share all these different things about you know, their potential. They'll understand that before they can have things, they have to become the person. They accept personal responsibility for that. They'll do all these things and operate this way. And they'll even take the negative feedback very quickly and keep adjusting. But when they're evolved wrong, when they don't have a mojo mind structure, they short circuit. And this is one of the biggest areas right here because they can't take the feedback. And so they stop. And that's why they become the jack of all trades and the master of what? None. None. And it cripples them. It stops them. Talk to me as I'm saying that what runs through your mind.
0: You see that in a lot of people that are, for example, very successful in business, but their personal life is a mess and they have, you know, a horrible marriage or horrible relationships with their kids or vice versa people that have great great family lives haven't really figured their career out or excelled to the point that they could and i've certainly felt that kind of short circuit where you get that negative feedback and then all of these justifications and things start coming into play where you just completely avoid it and Until you and I started talking, I hadn't really been aware of that or even thought about myself doing that. But you definitely see that in certain aspects of your life when you get that negative feedback. You know, thinking about myself in those areas where I've gotten negative feedback, and maybe in the past I haven't had that success system in place. If I'm really thinking about it and being honest with myself, I've avoided that area. And I think that's true for a lot of people is they just end up avoiding it.
1: Yeah, the overwhelming majority of people do, and not because they want to, but because they don't understand that they have to run into the resistance, they have to run into the negative feedback, not run away from it. Feedback is not good or bad, it just is. What matters is what we do with it. Feedback is the breakfast of champions for people that build very powerful and successful lives. Anytime we wanna get better at something, the more feedback we can get in that area of life, the quicker and faster we're gonna adapt and internalize a better plan, especially if we're being coached and mentored in a particular area by somebody who really is highly accomplished in that area of life. If you and I are being developed as a salesperson and we're being coached and mentored by somebody who's a top-notch sales producer, we don't want to run away from the feedback. We want to run to the feedback, and we want as much of it as we possibly can. You know, in our next conversation, I'm going to talk about my mentor who was was and is a sales master and being carefully and closely coached and mentored by him was priceless because he was constantly giving me feedback. And because of the way he coached and mentored me early on in my career, I learned to run at the negative feedback, not to run away from it. And it made all the difference in the world in my speed to productivity, my ability to become a peak performer very quickly. Not just me, but everybody on his team. He had a real magical way that he did that, that we'll talk about in our next conversation. So the the last question is, is if somebody has a weaker or less evolved self-esteem, is it a death sentence
0: I Me and i've learned from you that it's not luckily
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's exactly right and the fact of matter is is that unfortunately some people walk through their life thinking who i am is who i am and that's it but the fact of matter is is that every day is a new beginning every day every one of us has an opportunity to grow and become more and can we strengthen can we build our self-esteem our self-confidence our self-concept the answer is yes, we absolutely can. And not only can we, we must. And in our next conversation, I'm going to talk to you, i going to tell you a couple of stories of how this magical man that I was mentored by began to do that for me at 21 years old and did for everybody I've ever watched him ever coach and mentor in a major, major key To not only my own journey of life success, but to countless other people that I watched him develop, but then through us as a company, taking that model and training hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world. Hey, thanks for sticking around. This is your coach, Joe Gianni, and I've been excited to catch this next Mojo Moment with you. You've just completed Lesson 3, Developing a Success System. and It is a powerful lesson and building block to raising your awareness and shaping the mojo mindset, the mind structure found in all people living their life with their mojo on, set, and in full force. In this lesson, we covered many powerful points, and I want to summarize virtually everything that we shared together with one simple and succinct statement. The fact of the matter is, is that each and every one of us is who we are, where we are, and commanding a certain level of success in every area of our life, not based on happenstance or circumstance, but based upon the quality of the plans that we've internalized in our mind's eye. The simple truth is that if you and I want to change, refine, or improve our results in any aspect of life, we must first learn and understand that we need to change our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, about our potential, and about how to access this potential on command. People with Mojo are able to rapidly shape, refine, and internalize the skills, abilities, and plans needed to succeed because they have what I call a success system that powers them through every single endeavor in life. So what turns the human mind, housed in this three-pound gray matter inside each one of our heads, into a success system for life? Well, Simply put, it comes down to this. It's our ability to interpret the feedback that we experience as not good, not bad, but simply information, data, that we can use to refine the plans and ultimately achieve whatever goal we vividly imagine. I realized through the decades of closely coaching people that as I helped them to really discover and recognize their potential, and as they began to set goals and really execute on the plans relentlessly, tirelessly, over and over again to refine their skills, that many, many times they would lock up or shut down along the way. This led me to really, really go on a journey of exploration And that's when I began to realize that there was something missing. There was still something missing. And as I looked at it deeper, I began to realize that by the time people become adults, their mind is already programmed. Their mind is programmed in the way that they speak to themselves and see themselves and the way that they interpret and internalize the feedback that they receive as they go through trial and error to master new plans. This discovery is backed by countless studies, literally hundreds and hundreds of studies in the area of self-esteem. Because self-esteem is the ultimate elixir or the ultimate governor of success for all people in life. That's why I shared in our discussion today about the fact that there's all these studies, studies in terms of how high or how successful somebody will be in their career based upon esteem. How successful will be in relationships based upon their esteem. How successful will be with handling their money based upon their, their self esteem, how successful they will be in every single area of their life. Based upon how they've learned to see themselves and thereby talk to themselves in each actual area of their life. My journey helped me to recognize how important it was to change the internal dialogue in an individual as they pursue their streams and goals. This was thrusted or accelerated dramatically by the time I was 21 years old, when I graduated from college and began working with an extraordinarily gifted leader and manager that took me under his wings and began to teach me an internal understanding of myself and of my potential, and most importantly, how to begin to refine the strength of my esteem. You see, it's not enough as a manager and a leader for you or I to guide people and tell them what to do. As a frontline contributor, it's not enough for you and I to just have a strong manager that is guiding us and telling us what to do, meaning just giving us plans. The truth of the matter is, when it comes to peak performance in life, you and I must internalize these plans And the only way to internalize these plans is to change the dialogue of our internal talk. My gifted friend shared this insight with me very early on in my adult life and specifically at the very beginning of my career. And it dramatically changed everything for me, as well as anybody else that came under his tutelage. I look forward to sharing these tremendous insights in our next conversation together. Until then, as I said last time, go get yourself some mojo, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Hey there, Sean again. Thanks for listening and remember your challenge for the week. Listen to this session three times and write down 20 examples of cause and effect in your life. I'll see you out there. Hey, Sean here. Want to apply what you just learned to your life and career? There is no better resource than the Mojo app. With Mojo Premium, you get full access to the world's top coaching community, which includes all 11 steps of the Mojo Mentality Challenge program you're listening to now, plus weekly coaching calls and a planning framework used by top executives in over 90 countries around the world. We're in the champion building business, taking mental fitness, servant leadership, and job performance to ambitious new levels. And we've got the global top 20 training firm status and the Nobel Prize winning research to prove it. So join the community that will change your life, free for your first 14 days at joinmojo.com app. That's joinmojo.com app.